What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going, Graham. It's coming right along. This is very, like, straight to business tonight. Indeed. Graham just showed up, like, two minutes ago. Strict came straight up to the podcast studio, and yeah. we're... We're rolling. Yep. I, uh, we got stuff to talk about. Yeah, last couple of episodes we recorded at my apartment, and now we're back over here. And the dead plan I mentioned about, I don't know, two or three episodes ago, I think it was during this Falcon season preview, is even deader, if that was possible. Yep. So that was uh, sort of reminded me of the of the state of the Falcons' defense right now. That's fair. I, w- I was thinking about it, and we'll get into the defense, of course. Um, but our mindless chit-chat here at the beginning. Sure. I think people give a shit where we are in the world. I was thinking, I was like, they either just gloss over, you know, on like the, like on iTunes. Right. You can just, you can just feel like skip 15 seconds. Right. Probably, That's probably what they're doing right now. They're yeah. probably, probably hearing, <laughs> yeah, the depth. Uh, and then we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. well, let's jump into it. Sure. Or they might enjoy it. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's a good way to sort of open the show. Many shows do it. I used to hate that shit when I was listening to the radio. I'm like, I'm here to just listen to sports. Shut the fuck up about your personal life or about how you are. But now that we're actually doing this, I, I kind of see, you know, it's a good way to, to warm up a little bit. It helps us get into it Indeed. as well. You know, we just want to be like, sports, sports, sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I, me personally, I don't, I don't love the podcasts that are just very statistically driven and... I want to know a little bit something about who the hell I'm listening sure. to, you know? I think uh, we have a pretty rich universe in the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta's own podcast world. Rich universe. We got, you know, the intern saga. We had oh. uh, when we were kidnapped by Mark Andre. Sure, sure. Uh, harassment from Hugo. Hugo. And uh, that's about it. Some other things. Yeah. Users. Users. The uh, Tiller the Dog saga. Tiller the producer. Yep. yep. Anal glands. Anal glands. It's all out there, folks. Yeah, a lot of uh, breadcrumbs, uh, Easter eggs, if you will, for you longtime users. And for those of you who are new, go back to the old episodes. You'll learn all about our little world here in Atlanta's end. Yep. But let's, uh, so basically an overview of what we're going to talk about today on the show. Braves are NL East champions. Uh, very exciting. So they're actually the only team confirmed in the National League right now to have clinched anything. So we're going to get into that. We're going to do a big postseason thing, talk about how we felt about, you know, clinching and all that good stuff, uh, and preview what we think the roster's going to be and things like that. Um, then I think we're going to kick it off, though, with uh, re- re- recap of the Falcons game and how disappointed we were for the most part. Uh, we actually went to the game, for those of you that don't remember. We mentioned that last week that we were going. Um, it, was, it was a fun game. It was a hell of a game. Like I, it, I enjoyed being there. Exactly what I was, what I thought it was going to be. Offensive shootout, um, high stakes, high drama, never a dull moment. And yeah, Le- I mean, learned a valuable lesson by being at that game, Graham. Mm-hmm. So we had a group of like seven or eight uh, Saints fans. Yes, on a bachelor party, sitting right behind right us. Right behind us. And I think both of our gut reactions was to just hate these guys. Yeah, with the passion. I remember I kept standing up, uh, and. You know, in front of them, and you and you weren't at first on like third down, and yeah. then you realize they're Saints fans, and you're like, "Well, screw these guys!" And you just stood up and started screaming. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I feel like I could use a mental health segment after Sunday. I was kind of up and down on the anger. Yeah, but it's, it's just Saints fans. Something about that who dat, you know? Who dat is, is quite annoying. I was, and they don't even have a baseball team. Exactly, and like their basketball teams inept. Right, even um, more so than we are. Yeah, like yeah. what 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 have they got to be excited about? Have they ever won a Super Bowl? Yes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got that one Super Bowl, but they were obnoxious before the Super Bowl. Yes, they were. I remember uh, when I was getting on Marta, heading over to to the CNN Center where we met up. I was, you know, getting on the. I was getting off at five points, and you know. Taking the, the 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 westbound train to the to uh, about to say the dome to to the bends. I think it's is it wasn't it still called Georgia Dome? Oh yeah, still called Georgia Dome. Why would they why would they retouch that up? I mean, it's yeah. just more man hours, just more money you got to spend. Sure. And so as we were as we were uh, waiting for the train, all this Falcons fans like, hey Saints fans, you take that train over there. That's that that goes to the game. I know everyone's lining up over here, but you you take that one. You'll you'll be fine. And there is a lot of. Who Datton and Rise Up, and there's good banner on the train. We were packed in like sardines, and mm-hmm. this one woman was was yelling, 
I need help. I need help. And it sounded like she was like legitimately something was happening to her. I was like, oh, Jesus, what, what happened? And she goes, there's too many Saints fans on this train. And everyone just busts, busts <laughs> up laughing. <laughs> the, the thing that's kind of nice, though, about the rivalry that the Falcons and Saints have, it's 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 cordial. No one's going to beat the shit out of each other. No one's going to uh, you know, try and knife somebody for the most part. Every time I've had interactions with Saints fans, it's always like good-natured ribbing, even though we, we hate each other. Right. And that, that's the point I was making is, Ended up chatting with those guys behind us. Sure. They, they were cool. They were cool. They also but, didn't know anything about their players, which yeah, was kind of funny. Which I, I, I could tell you were doing that just to get the point across that you don't know any, that they didn't know anything about the players. Right. And I said, well, who's number 80? And they're like, we don't know. Yeah. I was like, they were just there for Who's fun. that crazy backup uh, quarterback who keeps who ran for like 30 yards on us and took a snap for Drew Brees? You know, they, they, they didn't really yeah. know anything. They were just, you know, quote unquote fans, and but though. Loud. Right. Um, Apparently, there was a fight, though, apparently next in the section next to us. Oh, was there? Yeah, like after the game. Oh, okay. But we were we had long up the, the stairs yeah. as soon as Drew Brees dove in there for that touchdown. Right. So let's jump right into this game here, Adam. Offense, I was very impressed by. Uh, the running game couldn't really get going. Uh, I think Tevin was held to 20 yards or something like that. Ida Smith couldn't get anything going either. But the passing game, my God, Matt Ryan once again turns in an insane performance. Uh, we, we figured he'd have a big game, but the throw for, I think, 362 yards, five touchdowns, uh, he, he lets it all out of the field. You can't blame Matt Ryan or Steve Sarkeesian for uh, us dropping this game, unfortunately. Yeah, your boy uh, Sark, he's turned in a couple really nice performances now. Yeah, back-to-back. And the biggest difference that I've really seen out there is that he's – exploiting weaknesses on defenses a lot more you know there, there's so many times like in years past where well last year and week one against the Eagles <laughs> um where you see like some glaring matchup right. issue uh, like it's like oh Freeman's on that slow ass linebacker let's exploit that and it doesn't happen and, we, and it doesn't happen right but I mean that that's that's why uh my boy Calvin Ridley got so involved this week was because um I mean their cornerback on the other side of uh, that dude from South Carolina. What's their number one cornerback? <laughs> Lattimore. Lattimore, yeah. Yeah. On the other side of Lattimore, I mean, he, he, he was the Saints' weakness, and they went after that, and they got the guy benched, in fact. Um, so it's just a great improvement to see him consistently doing that. Yeah, let's talk about Calvin Ridley a little bit. Um and also Matt Ryan throwing accurate deep passes. I know that was something that even after he had a really good performance with the Panthers last week, people were saying, well, Matt's not throwing the deep ball very well. Still pretty inaccurate. Uh, had a huge touchdown pass to really, which I think went for 75 yards uh, in total, but it was like a 50-yard pass you know, in the, through the air bef- before he caught it. Mm-hmm. And for, for a huge, huge touchdown, that was just – it was Incredible. Kind of towards the end of the first half. Yeah. Also had a big uh, 58-yard pass to Julio Jones, which was great to see them hook up deep. Even though Julio had, kind of had a quiet game. He didn't have five catches for 96 yards, mm-hmm. so that was nice to see. Yeah, so Calvin Ridley, who's supposed to be our you know our third receiver, three touchdowns, 146 yards, and seven receptions. Uh, it was a little quiet in the second half, but that first half he made his presence known. Yeah, and he also well at the beginning of the second half, he all even had that big uh, pass interference call. Yeah, yeah, that, which set up was a, huge. Set up a touchdown. Yeah, I mean he, and he's been a weapon in the end, the red zone as well. Yes, yes, and also like to point out that we are eight for our last eight in terms of converting red zone attempts to touchdowns. So after that week one, just total horseshit. This team offensively has completely turned it around. Had an off game running, as we mentioned, but the passing game was on point. Hooper was also getting involved. Matt looked comfortable. He had a decent pocket around him for the most part. It kind of broke down over the course of the game, unfortunately. But I was also impressed with just, once again, Matt's improvisation on that, uh, especially on that, I think the last touchdown to Ridley, where he scrambled around for a minute, couldn't find anybody, and then hit Calvin perfectly in the corner of the end zone. That corner there. Yeah, Yeah. that that was sweet. So offensively, is everything you could ask for, basically. Yeah. I mean, 37 points. That's the most points that Sark has put up in his Falcons tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of points. Yeah. You should win a ball game. You should. Unfortunately, the defense was not up to the challenge against the Saints. Drew Brees had a field day. 
Alvin Kamara had a field day. Kamara especially, and we knew he was going to get his, especially in the passing game. Because unfortunately, the Falcons' defense is predicated on a, on a scheme called cover three. So the idea is that they're not giving up deep passes, but they're willing to give up short passes. But the point is, if you give up the short pass, you got to be there to make the tackle. And Deion Jones was always big. Also, Keanu Neal was always big when coming up and laying out those those running backs and not you know not letting us get too burned on plays yeah. like that. You know, you're willing to give up three or five yards, but you stop them. You stop them. And you render it kind of ineffective. Instead, Kamara got you know was, was got 15 receptions for 124 yards. He was held without a touchdown. But he was a constant nuisance, especially on third down. It was just like every single time they're going to him, they're going to him, and no adjustment was made by Mark Juan Manuel or Dan Quinn to counteract that. Yeah, and the, th- the thing with that zone is that it's something you kind of have to do based on losing Jones and Keanu. Yeah. Because where those guys were guys that could just man up on them, and get the job done. We don't have those athletes on the field right now, so you have to kind of rely on the zone for the moment. But it's easy to get beat on it as well, right? And it's uh, I, I kind of wish they would do something else because I don't think you can expect the same level of performance from this defense at this point with all the injuries and also with Tack McKinley being out. Uh, the pass rush was virtually non-existent, minus one big sack from Vic Beasley. But you know. I would have liked to see uh, uh, the blitz dot up a little bit more because we weren't getting any pressure on Drew Brees. He had all day to throw. Anytime there was an incompletion, I remember we had one, uh, there was an incompletion to Camaro and he was uh, just sort of going on, he had a, a go route and there was just a miscommunication between him and Brees and uh, he just threw it right behind Camaro. Camaro never looked. But mm-hmm. it's like we dodged a couple of bullets like that where people either dropped a pass or there was just a, there was just a miscommunication between between Breeze and who he was thrown to, but for the most part, their offense was unstoppable, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I mean, with, with our defense, I mean, the kicker is you can't really dial up too many blitz packages because then you are going to expose these second and third string players that are in there now, and Drew Breeze is just going to completely eat them up. But he ate them up anyway, so I would have liked to see a couple more times that we could have done that because I think we only got you know a couple pressures on him. But one of those was was off the corner when Trufant blitz late in the game, which I was like, okay, well, good. I would have liked to at least mix that in a little bit more because it seemed like it was the same packages this and then the same result. There, right. there was nothing being done to account for Kamara just absolutely slaughtering you. Michael Thomas also had a big game, and honestly, I'm I'm a little concerned about Desmond Trufant. Um, just. I don't know. I don't think he's the shutdown corner that we all thought he was a couple of years ago. I think him was being, he even manned up on Michael Thomas or was yeah, in that no, he zone? was he was covering he was covering him. I know him and Alfred kind of shared him a little bit, but I think Trufant that was mostly his uh, assignment. At least from what I could tell from our seats, it seemed like every time Thomas caught a ball, and this isn't true every time, but it seemed like it more often than not. There was Trufant, you know, getting burned, making the play well after uh, Thomas is making a. You know, making a catch, which was which was frustrating. On the other hand, we've seen Alfred this year make a number of good plays in the field where he's like he's he's running with the receiver stride for stride. He's he's deflecting passes. I haven't seen anything from Trufant this year to make me go, oh man, Trufant's really going out there and uh, giving us a good good effort. I think we have a lot more issues than Trufant to worry about. And agreed, the obvious weakness and what I think is the reason we lost that game was the missed tackles. Yeah, lots Six, of missed tackles. 16 missed tackles, Graham. That'll kill you. And I have, I have a quote from defensive coordinator Mark Juan Manuel on it. And uh, everyone's been saying with the injuries, next man up, you know, that old saying. Right. And Mark Juan said, yeah, again, next man up, but this time the next man up has to be ready to tackle. We all saw that. It was nowhere near our standard a week ago. If you make tackles, you win the game. Right. Which I think is fair. I mean, Brian Poole just bounces off people like he is really hit or miss in terms of his tackling ability. When he lays someone out, like we've seen him absolutely destroy people. You know, Aaron Rodgers comes to mind in the NFC Championship game when he when he was sitting on the corner of blitz and just absolutely but you that's, know, knocked that's, him. In the that's next like week. the old Will, William Moore. I agree. Yeah. So I'm what I'm trying to get at is is that he's gotta be able to learn not to just go for, as we like to say, the hit stick in Madden. And be able to wrap up and just make the freaking play. 
he's he's slinging his body and he's and he's a brutal hitter. But it's like if he doesn't he doesn't time it exactly right, he leaves himself out for uh, for desolation out there. Yeah, I mean, and that that being said, I think that's what still gives us a little hope that we can salvage this thing. It's I mean the offense clicking as it is, um, but I mean that's fundamentals. Yeah, you know these guys know how to tackle. Right, but there's just like. I mean, they're, they've just—they're in situations that they weren't expecting to be. Um, I don't Duke th- Riley was not expecting to be leading the defense. No, he's not expecting know? to be the middle linebacker. He, He's—he wasn't ready for that, and he's going to have to just learn on the job now. Yeah, unfortunately, and it was the same way with Deion Jones in that first, uh, and that's that first year for him when we made the run of the Super Bowl. He had a very up and down first half of that season, and he started to put it together, especially when Dan Quinn started calling the plays. Um, so I'm hoping Duke can do that, but. You know, and I'm also trying to not rush too quick to judgment on some of these items, especially the younger players like the Duke Riley. Yeah, that's good, Graham. But just because you know we've seen young players start to thrive in Dan Quinn's system. Yeah, I mean, if if there's one thing he does a good job at, it's developing talent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, talking about missed tackles, the most egregious missed tackle was on Drew Brees when Poole and Trufant had him in the red zone. I mean, I thought, and they were coming, you know, from our seats. You know, we were in the end zone about three thousand rows up, but you could see, you could see Drew Brees wanting to run, and it was like, okay, if he wants to run, he's got two Falcons coming right at him. They're gonna like, and he's not sliding, so lay him out in his career. Just take his ass out, let it be done. Force a fumble, and unfortunately, both players bounced right off him. He did the slowest spin move. And it was like you or me doing a spin move out there. In, in real life or in Madden? In real life. Okay. And it was just pathetic that they both bounce off of him and he easily walks into the end zone. It was like, this is not Mike Vick. This is not Deshaun Watson. Uh, you, you know, this is not Cam, where it'd be like, okay, well, Cam's this big, strong bastard. And, and I guess, you know, it still suck, but it's like, at least it's more acceptable. Drew Brees, 39-year-old Drew Brees, should be in a nursing home? Are you kidding me? Pathetic. Yeah. yeah. it's uh, That one was just kind of the epitome of what that game looked like defensively right but it seems like you still have a little hope Graham which I'm I'm kind of surprised by I thought you were going to be doom and gloom no I mean I think that you know the rough part is too I'm also kind of just taking a stride because you know we, we now we've lost Ricardo Allen for the year with an Achilles tear mm-hmm. that happened late in the game I think it was on the last drive before the Saints won in overtime huh. it was in overtime though right yeah yeah and so he goes down and then, and, then, and we learn the next day that it's an Achilles tear. And so now you're you're down Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Shelby. Uh, and it's 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 tough. I mean, Shelby's gonna come back, but those are three huge pieces of your defense. Like now you have to deal with two of those guys. Both your your starting safeties are now out for the rest of the season. And you just sort of got to take that in stride and realize that the production there is, uh, you know, also, you know, the production there is not not going to be what we thought it was going to be because we're missing those guys. And the the biggest issue there is now one of the emotional leaders of that defense, an on field leader in terms of just signal calling, along with Dion is is Ricardo. Now Ricardo's gone, so who is going to take up that mantle now to lead this defense and try to salvage this thing? Yeah, they're just falling like flies, and it's just like. Who's Grady next? Like it's just right. it's like they're picking just our most important players, right? Over and over and over again. Um, yeah, it hurts, Graham. But that's the way she goes sometimes, right? Yeah, that's the way she goes, and you got to soldier on. I uh, there's been a lot of talk this week about the Falcons trying to go out and trade for Earl Thomas or maybe pick Eric Reed up off the scrap heap. He hasn't been signed by a by a team yet, due mostly, I believe, to him suing the NFL. Uh, because of this whole kneeling controversy, and yeah. he's not getting a contract or something like that. But uh, I don't think that's Dan Quinn has come out and said it. That's not talk things. coming from the Falcons. That's no, talk coming I, from loser podcasters like right, us. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't. Fors- I especially do not foresee their old Thomas thing happening. One, he's older. He's two, still good, man. He's still good, but two. You expect both Ricardo and Keanu to be back next year, and you're going to have to give up a lot for Old Thomas, and what may be a season that you know isn't going to turn out the way you, you want it. Do you really want to Maybe. say 
You really want to say though that you're going to give up like a couple, you know, second or third round draft pick for for old ass Earl Thomas, who's also is flirted with retirement. Keeping him old ass, he's he's our age. He's 29. That's fair, but seems all he seems like he's been around for years. But this is a guy's body's also breaking down, and hasn't played. Didn't play a full season last year. I don't think he played a full season the year before that. I don't want to make that move where I'm giving up multiple draft picks for him. Just not gonna. This just doesn't happen in my yeah. world. Yeah, unfortunately, we're going with who two weeks ago on this podcast was just called "Oh, what's his face?" The guy we don't know from <laughs> the Patriots, right? Um, who they cut because of his complete ineptitude when it comes to man coverage. Right, he was and a second round pick. I still, I Richards, Richards, Richards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now he's our starting damn safety. Yeah, and my thing is especially with, with Bill Belichick doesn't give up, especially on defensive players in a rookie contract. I think he was cut in his second year, or we traded for him in his second year. It was a trade. It was a trade with them. The fact that he did that says all I need to know about that guy. It says that he is not what we thought he was. Good riddance. Or maybe he was just trying to like have fun playing football and Belichick wasn't about that life. That's true, he isn't. But that 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 spoke volumes to me. So Yeah, it's it's gonna be definitely an uphill battle. The good news is is I, I believe Tack McKinley is supposed to play this week. Yep. I've heard the same reports. Um so that's good to hear. I heard uh our boy D Led talking about that on the radio <laughs> earlier tonight. Yeah, Tack's supposed to play. Uh, <laughs> it was. I love D. Led just because, like, when you hear like watch videos of his interviews, mm-hmm. it's like you 100 percent know who it is. Yeah, you can't see but, him. Yeah, you can't you see can't him. See but him but like, you hear his oh, voice. There's D. Led. Yeah. It's like someone's asking like a you know uh, a question in a, in a normal pace, uh, you know, way, and also pretty normal sounding voice, and you just got D. Led slow. Yeah, Coach Quinn, I gotta ask about that play on the third drive of the first quarter. You know, it's, it's he, I love you like that. He's a great reporter. Makes him stand out. Going into this week, getting Tack McKinley back is nice. Hopefully, you get Shelby back. Devontae, I believe, is going to be out. He didn't practice today. I'm not as concerned with that. As you said, I think last week, or maybe when we were at the game, there's one person I got to lose and, and, and be okay with it. It's, it's Devontae Freeman, just because you got Devin. And Edo Smith looks and Edo Smith. really nice. Edo Smith had a couple of really nice catches. I mean, um, he, he's shifty, man. Yeah, he didn't really get anything going running the ball, but he was a uh, good pass catching back out of the backfield and really exposed the Saints defense a couple of times, which was nice to see. I also liked uh, Ryan Cameron taking over the PA uh, duty at the Benz. I thought he did a nice job. Ryan Cameron, who also does the Hawks. The Hawks. Yeah, correct. Um, anything else you want to touch on with this game? Yeah, I mean, I just think the keys going forward for this defense is finding a way to get pressure. If that doesn't happen, we're screwed. Yep. And uh, also just if the offense can uh, control the ball a little more in the fourth quarter because New Orleans kind of dominated the time of possession Mm. down the stretch, Mm -hmm. which is like what we've seen from these Dan Quinn defenses is just – down I mean coming down the stretch they get tired at the end of right. the game and no one like we knew as soon as the Saints got the ball like in overtime or at the end of the fourth they were going to score a touchdown right. there's no chance in hell no. we were stopping them unless like I mean last Saints game we had to get that immaculate interception by Deion Jones right in Stop order him. that was the only way we could we could have stopped him if sure. something like that happened yeah um so Maybe if that running game can get going, maybe that's somewhere where Devontae can help out and just control the clock a little more and give that defense some more rest. Right. The good news is is that a very winnable game this week against the Bengals, I think. Um, They have a really porous run defense, so I'm expecting Tavin to step up this week. I would uh, like to see him have have a better game. And I know A.J. Green's banged up for the Bengals, but Marvin Lewis came out today and said he's going to play. Yeah, so the Bengals currently are 2-1, and one, tied for first in the AFC North. Yeah, Adam, you're exactly right. There are no pushovers. Even though Andy Dalton had a really bad game last week in terms of turnovers, this is a guy that um, has a much better offensive line around him, which has been a problem. They, I know they, they spent a high draft pick on a, on, a, on a quality offensive lineman this year. They also brought... Um, some help in there to really fortify that, that uh, the trenches on the line, on the offensive line. 
And they also have a really good pass-catching running back in Giovanni Bernard, who is taking over for Joe Mixon. But he's liable to, to, to maybe not tear you up on the ground necessarily, but once again, out of the backfield, in the flat, in, in our zone coverage, is going to pose another matchup problem for us this week. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really just going to come down to, once again, the offense is going to have to, to shoulder the load. And because Andy Dalton's going to throw the hell out of the ball, he's going to throw a lot to AJ Green. Um, he's going to throw a lot to Bernard. He's going to throw a lot to Tyler Boyd there, who's emerging as their second receiver. A huge game against the, the the Panthers last week. And you know, it's it's once again, I think it's going to be a it's going to not be as uh, big of a shootout as it was with the Saints. But I think once again, we're going to see a high scoring game, and God, just be hopeful that the Falcons can can pull it out at the end. And historically, we just don't play great against these like random AFC teams that we only play every like four years or right, so. Right. Like the Dolphins last year that was at home. Bills. The Bills. Right. Um, so I mean you gotta bring it. We we don't want to go to one and three, and that's for sure. No. And I fortunately yeah. the Bucks lost. Yeah the Bucks week. lost to the Steelers. Uh Panthers won. Panthers beat the Bengals. Obviously the Saints won, but it's still early. Yeah. One and two, but the the year's not over. Might need to tweak your expectations a little bit. I was, Are you still Super Bowl or bust? Not right now, um, which has been really sobering for me. Uh, I think it was one of the reasons I stopped drinking at the game um, around the end of the third quarter. Also, I didn't want to leave my seat because, you know, the, plus game, the, the game was exciting as shit. Plus, they stopped serving. Plus, they stopped serving the around the then. third quarter. But, you know, my hope was that you would once again go get the next round of drinks. But, of course, you you... You hailed that uh, had a beer guy had a beer guy in the yeah. in the stand, so I was like, "Well, I can't get liquor now." Not a, not a screwdriver guy, right? Coming around, that'd be nice. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I started to think about it this week, and I'm like, you know what? I gotta just sort of take it with a little bit of a of a grain of salt here. I still have expectations for this team, just because of uh, you know the caliber of of our quarterback. I think is starting to hopefully shut shut people up. I think the progression of our offensive coordinator is great, and um, I think the offense will hopefully be all right. Uh, but defensively, when you lose that many people, especially all pro players like Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, it's going to be tough to come back from that. And you just got to just you know you just, you just sort of just got to deal with that and realize that that's going to hold you back from getting you to where you want to be right now. And unless there's a major turnaround in the play here. We're able to pick someone up that can really bolster this team. I just don't – I don't see it right now, Adam. I don't see us being a, a legitimate contender. We'll see how it goes. Try to sneak into the playoffs now. Get yourself a wild card spot. Yeah. Hang around for a little bit. Deion Jones will come back this year. That's true. And uh, some of these younger guys will improve. Right, and that's the good news too. It's just so early in the season – Hopefully we can we can expect maybe not this level of output of the offense, but a consistently good offense again, akin to the the, the twenty sixteen Super Bowl team, and that the defense can make enough progressions to not give up forty three points. Yep, in a game. Plus, so. I think I'm, I'm less affected by all of this than I would normally be because we have uh, something really special going on right now, Graham. We do. The Atlanta Braves, the two thousand eighteen National League East champions. Yep. First time since 2013. Right. I think it was to the day as well. I think we clinched 2013 on September 22nd, and I think. And then, obviously, this year was September 22nd. What a ride. Yeah. Another little stat for you. If the Braves win one of their next, um, what's five, six games, mm-hmm. they'll be the first team to go from losing 90 games in back-to-back seasons to then win 90 games the following season since... The 91 Atlanta Braves. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't send a chill down your spine, then I don't know what's your pro- what your problem is. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of happy things going on right now, Graham. Indeed. I think, uh, you know, let's just talk about this season overall. One reason I think we are the NL East champs is the Braves went in, in series against the rest of the NL East. So against the Marlins, Nationals, Mets, uh, Phillies, we went 14 Three and four. So 14 wins, three losses, four ties. We only lost three. Oh, in series. In series. We only lost three series to National League East opponents the entire season. That's beating the shit out of your division. 
Yeah, that, that definitely gets it done. I mean, last week at this time, we were talking about, well, if the Phillies sweep, blah, 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 blah. And just, there was, I mean, we ended up sweeping them. That, right. That was awesome. Just like, we're a different team than uh, what we've been in the past. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, I mean, for all the, the, the you know, shit I've talked about in terms of the bullpen, uh, occasionally Snickers, decisions with the bullpen, et cetera, there is something you cannot quantify about this team in late game situations. We went to the game on Friday night, uh, the Braves Phillies game, down four to big Atlanta sports weekend. It was a big Atlanta sports weekend. That plus uh, Tiger winning Eastlake. Right. That was awesome. And the Falcons game. Yeah. Um, but we were down four to one, and Tyler Flowers is up. And I just felt like, okay, it's, it's game on. This team, even if they're going through some struggles early in the, early in the game, those leading situations, they come alive. Tyler Flowers gets a hit. Um, Ozzy Albies immediately hits a home run after that. They wound up scoring, what, five runs that inning? Well, Camargo had the at-bat of the year. Oh, then. yeah. It must have been, I don't know, we were pretty drunk at that point, but it felt like about a 15-pitch at-bat. Maybe it wasn't that that bad. But he worked the count three and two. People are going nuts. Everybody's standing up on the edge of their or on the edge of their seats, making a lot of noise, and he hits that ball past the shortstop. And I felt like I screamed so loud, I thought my the, my my brain was just going to explode out of my skull and I was yeah. going to die. And yeah. I would have been okay with that because that was... You were stoked. I was I was euphoric. Yeah. I was euphoric. I mean, that was so much fun. Everybody going nuts with the chop. Fans invested. It felt like a postseason environment, which was great because we haven't really seen that that much at SunTrust. And, well, we've never seen that at SunTrust. Yes, we've never seen that at SunTrust. But, but just like, oh, the environment. But just, just the, sure, fe- the sure, feeling. Sure, the sure. feeling of like this game really matters special, yeah. and the whole stadium is invested in every single pitch. And that's something we just haven't felt at this at this park to me. Um, I mean, it's happened a couple times this year, but especially knowing that the NLE's title was in, uh, we we're at the precipice of it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was it was really special. It was really special. And uh, you left that game that night after the Braves uh, shut the door, feeling like, all right, we got this. Mm-hmm. We oh, got yeah. this. Yeah. And sure enough, day game Saturday, they got it done. Right. Fulte throws a gem. A no hitter, I think, through six. Got, yeah, through six. Yeah, impressive. Um, and they got a little hairy, but right. you know they pulled it out, got the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vizcaino coming back, look, look dirty. He's looked nasty. Him uh, and Sabatka. Sabatka. Th- these could be our two little uh, weapons at the end of the game. I now. think. I think those are eighth and eighth and ninth inning guys right now. And Snit used both of them again last night against the Mets to close them out. Yeah. Uh, Used Minter in the seventh, right? And once again, the Braves came back in the seventh inning. Yep, it was it down three one? Come back and win the game, and I think it was seven three by the end of it. And so while, while we're touching on the bullpen, real quick, right? yeah, yeah, your boy Dan Winkler, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. He's almost un- unplayable at this point. Yeah, I mean, he but had. Uh, you you, you want to hear his September stats? Well, I was going to give you September stats. Oh, oh, look at you doing your homework. Beat you to the punch. Well, I want to give you the August stats real quick, or at least just what I remember. Yeah, and, zero ERA. Yeah, August. zero ERA. Yeah. He was he, he he was carrying that bullpen a little bit in August, but uh, it's been the inverse come September. Yep, sixteen sixty two ERA in September. Eight appearances, four point one innings, eleven hits, nine runs, five walks, two Ks. Yeah, it's uh, that's rough. That's rough, especially the walks. You got five walks and four, four and a third innings pitched. Um, it's tough to fathom a scenario right now where you feel any semblance of confidence to run them out uh, in a late game, high leverage situation in the postseason, especially against uh, you know powerful lineups like uh, who knows who we play, and we'll get to that in a minute. How just batshit insane the the National League is in this final week of the regular season, but. You know, you think about, oh, you want to throw them against the Dodgers, Rockies, Cubs, Cards, Brewers, especially with Christian Yelich having this epic run to probably capture the National League MVP in the last couple of weeks. Hell no. Hell yeah. no. I mean, that's the thing with baseball. You got to, and hopefully, the new age of baseball, I feel like they do a lot better job of it. It's like, what, like, you know, They'll pull a pitcher and a starting pitcher in the second inning. Yeah, like there, there can't be this loyalty to like, no, this has been our guy. We got to run it out there, and no, that's, that's totally what different. a lot of people would say. Bobby Cox did a lot, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, this will be our first time seeing Snit in action in uh, October. But you got to go with the hot hand. Right now, the hot hand is Viz, Sabatka, Venters is still there. Venters has been uh, has been roughed up this this month as well. Five six eight ERA over six innings. So well, I'm not shit. totally sold as him on him. But you know what? We need more than two pitchers. Our boy, Sam Freeman. Sam Freeman, since he's returned in August, has given up no runs. For 10 innings, 10.1 innings. He does have four walks, but no runs, eight strikeouts. He's uh, he's looked a lot better. He's looked good, man. Since coming That's what back. I was trying to tell you. It's still, he still kind of gives you a heart attack every once in a while. He doesn't have, like, you know, the clean inning you're always looking for. He still gives up hits, but he's shutting the door when it counts, at least, which is better than you can yeah. say for most of this bullpen right now. Biddle has also struggled. Uh, I don't think he's usable either right now. Six seven five ERA. So we, people are batting two ninety against him this month. So we got like three usable pitchers. Yeah, he has eight walks and eight innings this 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 uh, this September. He's gonna make the team because he's he's been a valuable contributor, and I think Winkler is as well because without those two guys, you're not where you're not you you're not here at this moment. But it it, it I struggle to to think of feeling confident to put them in the game. I tell you what, man, I am like imagine being Brian Snitker. Like how much stress that. Oh yeah, and you gotta think about it too when you know. I mean, he's such a he's such a uh, a player's coach. He says all the right things to the media about them. I'm sure in the clubhouse, he's he's very uh, supportive. Definitely Bobby Cox kind of guy, players guy. But you you gotta think that there are moments in his mind where he's like, well, shit, who do I go to right now? Yeah, Um, you gotta go to someone, right? And I think you know Sabatka hasn't given up a hit. Uh, in the month of September. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be he's, he's going to be a high he, leverage guy. He looked so impressive in person. You know, the snap on his curveball. I mean, that uh, it just it's got a lot of snap. It's got a lot of snap. That that thing moves like a son of a bitch. I, I got a lot of confidence in him right now. So you like his curveball? Yeah. So pretty much Which like kind of sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. The only people I really trust right now are, are Viz, Brock to a degree. Uh, Sabaka and maybe Shane Carl. Ooh, he's been really good in September. Hmm. But because um, I'm just sort of going off like who's got the hot hand, and that's how you know you win the playoffs. But and I want Tukey in that bullpen. I want Tukey in but that. He hasn't bullpen. been great in the bullpen, and when he's come out of the bullpen, that's the kicker. That's that's true. And I I really don't takes him a couple innings to get going. Well, the thing is though, is that he is at least when he starts, he is. Uh, really great against, you know, first couple times through the order. It's just the third and fourth times he's got like a 9 ERA or something. So I still think you got to have him on the roster. Oh, hell yeah. You've I mean, got to have I, him on the I roster. Think he's, I still say he's in the running for that fourth spot. He could be. And actually, Gabe like, Burns, the new AJC beat reporter for the Braves, uh, reported, to I think, today, or maybe it was yesterday, regardless, that Snicker – Pretty much said that, yeah, he's he's in the running for a, for a starting spot in that in the postseason rotation. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, there. I mean, it's kind of tryouts this week, and Tukey yeah. had a solid start. I was impressed with him dealing. I mean, the Mets' offense is, is abysmal, but I was impressed with him last night dealing with the rain. He falls behind three and zero, I believe, to Jay Bruce or maybe it was Todd Frazier, one of those big bastards. He's down 3-0 in the Rams. It's torrential downpour. They shouldn't be playing. And he is down 3-0 and just comes back and throws three straight fastballs and strikes the guy out like it was no problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, t- yeah, Tukey has to be there in some respect. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Newcomb at this point? I think it's a no-brainer that he's he's not one of your starters at this point. I, I Carry him in your bullpen. Yeah. But um, I agree. He's looked good tonight, but once again, he's pitching. But then he fell apart. He started right losing he, batters, throwing a lot of pitches again. Sure. Um, and the and the and the, the thing is, once again, as it's been well documented, he is not very good when he goes on short rest in the postseason. You're going to be going on short rest, and I don't trust him to to perform because the stats bear out that he can't do that right now. Yeah. I Simple mean, as that. I I think it's definitely between Tukey and Julio. Um, I honestly would kind of like to see Tukey at this point. I just think he's got, I mean, he's definitely got a lot nastier stuff, but I yeah. mean, Julio is, he's pitched 
relatively decent in August and September. Agreed. Uh, I think he can keep us in a ball game, but they're easier. But so inconsistent too. Like he could easily give up four runs in the first inning, and oh, then definitely. And the, the, we saw it on the game we went to. First batter of the game, home run. But then he settled down. From he there. settled down, but it still puts you in a hole, and you don't want that in the playoffs. His right. ERA, I think, in the in the first inning is something like seven seven or something just ape shit like that. You know, and it's just like ah. And I mean, I, I trust that Anthopolis has enough pull that. It's. I mean, it's Snickers' decision, but mm-hmm. Anthopolis has enough pull to push him towards Tukey. Well, I heard uh, – interesting. I heard him uh, being interviewed on MLB Network yesterday morning, and one thing that the, the interviewer was asking is, like, well, who makes the call? Is it you? Is it Snicker? Um, you know, how does that shake out with the Braves? And he said, you know, it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. We get everyone together. And we break it down. We break down stats. We break down, you know, we get Snit's point of view. We get our point of view. We, we come together, and it really is very cohesive. And we try to come to a common consensus about all these things. But he said at the end of the day, Snicker is the manager. Yeah, he it's makes, the manager. He makes the call. But I was encouraged to hear that, and I think especially with the way baseball is changing with these advanced analytics, like it or not, they are valuable. Sometimes maybe you go a little too crazy with them. But that, you know, you can have old-school – an old school mentality and a new school mentality come together to create something great. And I think that's one reason why this team is, is where it is because the efforts of the, of the front office and the efforts of the uh, efforts of the, of the, the coaches. I mean, it's great. It's a great pairing right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not just Snit. It's Eric Young's been huge for like our base running. Walt Weiss. Ru- Walt Weiss. Uh, we're Ron actually, Washington and the like what he's done for Dansby and his fielding. Yeah, we're actually one of the best base running teams in baseball. If you look at a lot of the defensive, uh, not defensive, the uh, the base running advanced metrics, we're something like a top five, six team in terms of base running. We have, uh, I think, three guys who can cover the most, I don't know, some there was some ridiculous bullshit stat I was reading <laughs> today. But point being that this is a fast team and they're utilizing their speed effectively. Yeah. So, and and I think that bears out in the eye test, and it also bears out in the, in the advanced analytics that I cannot cite because it just got to the point where I was like, "This is going over my head." No one gives a shit about the advanced analytics. I don't. I mean, no. I, I'm glad that they're there and yeah. that it's used for making these decisions for Anthopolis and Snicker. But I don't need to know all the advanced analytics. How's that? Ad- Advance my life or my Ooh, viewership. I like the know? advance to advance. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't do anything sure. for me. Um, Is that an underhanded way of saying uh, I shouldn't talk about war anymore or things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I always just like blank out every time you That's fair. start reading your stat line and include all these batting average ball and play. And I do think that is, is huge. <laughs> and it's very simple to understand. Um, anyways. Um, but that's fair. Yeah. But big news item yep. that does affect the postseason yep. big time. Dansby got hurt last night. Yeah, it came down. Uh, I actually heard on the radio on the way over here. Dansby has a uh, partially torn ligament in that wrist that he injured earlier in the year. And he's being evaluated in Atlanta right now. So the MRI revealed that this morning. No word on what that means for his status for the NLDS, but it's highly likely that he will not play, I would think, with a with a torn ligament. Partially torn. Partially torn, yeah. even still. Granted, I don't know. I mean, do you know much about ligaments? Only it's in his non-throwing hand. Oh, it's in his non-throwing hand? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to affect it then. Uh, I mean, the good news is we've got an excellent replacement that many people would argue should get the at-bats anyways, and Charlie Colbert Offensively, said. you kind of get a boost. Offensively, yeah. you kind of get a boost. Defensively? It's a detriment because Dansby, as we've said, for as as much shit as you want to give him about his hitting, he has been a very, very good to great defender this year. And the stats bear it out. So that is a blow. And now I wonder if you if Dansby's out, do you put Culberson at short or you put him at third and put Camargo at short? Uh, they've already said Culberson at short just because Culberson has said he's more comfortable there. Okay. Um, so he would be at short. I don't know if I like that, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, Camargo's excellent at third. So. Right. And he is a better third baseman than he is uh, yeah. a shortstop. It, uh, it, it's still a little scary because my, 
because Dansby has been super, has been incredibly clutch in the in the infield. So if you lose him for the series, that that is that is a concern. But at least we're not putting in, you know, uh, just some absolute bum out there. Brooks you know, Conrad. Yeah, who you knows? Who's that other loser that played? Was that our most recent? Was that 2012, 2013 when? Um, Man, who do we? Oh, is it just what you're talking about? That's when Douglas sucked. We had some, had some guy, and I can't remember who it was. It was, it was a, like the most generic, yeah, white guy. Like I think you loved them though, utility cause, player cause for you, like you love Pete Orr and Keith Lockhart and guys of that ilk. Sure, but he he never panned out to be a Keith, Pete Orr or Keith Lockhart. That's fair. I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember like off the top of my head. Ian Smith or <laughs> you know, if I saw his name, I'd, I'd recognize Steven it. Steven Anderson. Uh, I'd be able to be like, oh yeah, I remember. But and he was our starting second baseman in the because I was sucked. Yeah, yeah. And so the my, the biggest concern here, like I said, I love Charlie. This is exactly what happened to Charlie last year when he was playing with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. where Seager, their starting shortstop, got hurt. Right. Charlie comes in, rakes in the postseason. Yeah. And that was the reason why coming into this year, I was a big Charlie Culberson guy. I was like, this guy is clutch. Yeah, no, you're right. And I kept looking at it as, well, he did that in the playoffs, but look at his, you know, overall, the, the history of his, his career. You were just worried about the, the sabermetrics and... I don't know. Whatever he's done this year, whatever help he's gotten, I mean, he's, he's completely transformed as a player. Yeah, at, one, I think, at one point during the season, he had as he was worth as 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 much war as Bryce Harper was, which is hilarious. Which is hilarious. Um, Not, I don't think that's the case anymore. But that's but anyways, hilarious. I love Corberson being plugged in, but our depth just is shriveled now. So now we're looking at either a Ryan Flaherty mm-hmm. or a Rio Ruiz on, on a playoff Which roster. Is no bueno. I, th- I think I go Ruiz. Although I've, I've never actually seen Ruiz do anything except like hit one double. He got a he got a hit last night. Well, as a pinch hitter. So maybe that won him a job. Yeah. Flair, I mean Flaherty's horrendous. Yeah, I don't think you can have Ryan Flaherty on the postseason roster. Um I just don't think it can be done. So I mean, hopefully, right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right, we'll Maybe. see. We'll see what the reports are officially on Dansby and what the plan is. But yeah, you're exactly right. Depth in the in the middle of the infield, the infield in general is taking a huge hit. Yeah, it's a big time bummer. Yeah, um, I have a question for you in terms of catching preference and then LDS. Who do you, who you got? Flo or Zook? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Zook guy. Zook's got the better bat, I think, without question. I, I agree. Zook has been hot. He's been producing uh, in big-time situations and just in general. Three homers. He's been hitting 340 in September. 634 slugging. I mean, Jesus Christ. You got, I think he's got to be your main. Yeah, you need all the uh, offense you can get. Yeah, and he and Flowers are comparable defensively to me, and I, I want him starting. And I would also say – that maybe you keep Rene Rivera, the third catcher, so that you can have Flowers pinch hit if necessary. On a 25-man roster? That's tough. That's tough. But it might be worth it, especially when you, if you're losing, uh, you know, you're not going to have uh, the ability to, to, to pull Culberson off the bench anymore if Dansby's out. That kind of sucks is uh, Preston Tucker can't even take a, roster, a postseason roster spot. Oh, why not? Because he wasn't on the team on September 1st. Shit. Yeah. Well, that hurt. So, like, Lucas Duda's our big bench bat now. Lane Adams. Lane, yeah, gotta, that, that, gotta, that's the other. You got to have a roster spot for him. It's Incredible either incredible value base running as yeah, a pinch, pinch runner. Yeah, that's the that's the other big, uh, the fourth out, outfielder spot. Do you give it to Lane Adams or I know your answer to this, but yeah. uh, let me finish before you scream at me. I know you're going to go. It's with between me. Lane Adams or Adam Duvall. I think you got to go Adams, especially because even though. Uh, you know, Duvall has sucked offensively. We kept saying, well, he's got plus defense. He saves 15 runs a year, blah, 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 blah. He's been a butcher yeah, in, in the outfield. He's literally done nothing. Lane Adams and he has actually uh, been an amazing pinch runner as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, like, he, you cannot – like, he is so valuable as a pinch runner. And he got that start on Sunday and actually – like, he popped a home run and a double. Nola. Against Nola. Yeah, so yeah. – He's got to be the guy. If he's if, if it's Adam Duvall, I'm gonna kick a hole through the yeah, I mean, wall of the Duvall, Adam Duvall, Duvall has had zero moments with the Braves. Lane Adams has had a few. Yeah, and and he's also 
provides value where, where you're not looking at as a as a pinch runner, and that is going to be key, yeah. especially in playoffs. You know, if Tyler Flowers or Zook comes up and gets a base hit to start a rally, like the game on Friday, yeah. you know, and, and he gets a single or he gets a double or whatever, you, you need to score that run. You got a reliable guy who can come in and get you that run. We've so. been we've been pretty much on the same page with everything, Graham. Yeah, it's like we're we're gelling going into October, just right. like the Braille. I think we're syncing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Uh, so you still you still feeling the same about the the rotation as last time? I don't I, I don't know what I say anytime. That's that's fair. I can't remember either. Yeah, I mean I, I, I we know Fulty won. Yeah, Fulty, Annabelle, Gaussie, Gossman, and then like I said, I want Tukey, but which would be a change from what I said last week. I think I think you said Julio. I. I, I I'm okay. I'm not going to be upset either way. Yeah. You know, the one thing I was happy to hear about is that Brian Snicker agreed with me. He said, we're going to evaluate all matchups, all matchups, scenarios yeah. where we play. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm guessing they're going to have some meetings, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know. Yeah. Some decisions will be made. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be going out partying. Yeah. Hopefully not. Speaking of people, athletes going out partying, ran into Vic Beasley. Oh, on the Friday night Braves game. Friday right? night out in the battery. Yep. It was. He wasn't out there getting drunk or anything. That's good. It was, still, it was still like Vic got game in two days, bub. Right. But I mean, he got a sack at least. At least, but. Uh, yeah, I'm still. I'm still of the same opinion on the rotation, faulty, and then you kind of just see where it uh, it shakes up with the matchups and where you're playing. Yeah. But I, I am. I am in agreement with you. Newcomb is not. Yeah, that's rotation. the only way I'm going to be mad if, if if it's nuke somehow. Yeah, I don't think there's any way it can be. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Unless they're just completely blind. Right. I uh, let's talk a little bit about the rest of baseball for a second. Even though, I, and, and how we'll, we'll it, re- it all it all relates to what, what we're saying. So, for context, the American League was is set was set on Monday. All the playoff teams are decided. National League, on the other hand, the only thing that's decided. That the Braves clinched the NL East, but in terms of seeding and all that, no one knows anything, and no one else has clinched a postseason spot except for the Braves. Or two back of the Cubs. There were two back of the Cubs for the top spot in the in the in, in the National League. We're a game and a half up on the Dodgers for second spot. Yeah, that was big. I actually watched the Diamondbacks Dodgers game last night instead of like one thirty because I was like, "Come on, Diamondbacks!" I really don't want to. If we have to play LA, I really don't want to go out there and and say they have home field. You know. Yeah. Even even though we we've squawked about giving away home field advantage because of our road home splits. I think when you really think about it, in a the, postseason environment, it's totally different. Yeah, I agree. You're going to want the forty thousand plus people behind you to start the series as opposed to as opposed to the inverse of that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So you got the Dodgers in so front of you. Right, so you got yeah, Cubs are number one, but they're they're kind of uh, they're in a little bit of a, a, a dry spell here, and they've lost two in a row, and they might have lost Chris Bryant. I'm not sure for how long, but he got hurt last night, so they're 91 66. Um, Dodgers are 88 and 70, game and a half back, as Adam said. The Brewers are right behind the Cubs, though they're 91 67. They're a half game behind them. They could, and I think they're the first wild card. They could catapult the damn Cubs for the division. Mm-hmm. You also have the Rockies, who are currently the second wild card, and eighty-seven and seventy, who are destroying the Phillies, which is hilarious. Um, they're they're half game up on the Cardinals. The Phillies aren't even in second anymore. Nationals no. are. Yeah, the, uh, the the Rockies are a half game up on the Cardinals for the second wild card spot. The Cardinals are half game behind them. So pretty much, you got six teams, five spots, and nobody knows how it's going to shake out. It's absolute chaos. It should be a very entertaining week. Uh, for the rest of baseball. But then it comes down to Adam, how's it going to affect the Braves? And I guess my question to you is, is uh, let's talk about scenarios. Let's say we are the number one seed. Let's say we catapult the Cubs. Maybe the Brewers lose a couple games. We're the one seed. And we have to play, you know, winner of, of Rockies Brewers or something like that. I mean, who, who do you want to... Ooh, Brewers kind of scare me. Brewers scare the shit out of me right now. And... For many reasons, Yelich is on the tear of his life. He's probably going to win the MVP, um, and they have an absolutely nasty bullpen, brutal bullpen. The rotation doesn't scare me as much, 
But their bullpen, I swear to God, you get in that fifth, sixth inning, they're just going to shut you down. And we saw that when they came here in, uh, in August. Yeah, I, I think I prefer playing the Cubs over Cubs or Dodgers over the Brewers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I really don't want to play the Dodgers. I really don't want to face that pitching staff. Walker Bueller, their their number two, is kind of uh, taking the place of Zach Grinky when he was there, forming a very formidable uh, one-two punch with him and Kershaw. What's What's Hugo going to say about Kershaw though, Graham? He can't pitch in the postseason. To which to, to to which I say he pitched very well in the postseason last year, and he owns our ass in the postseason. Historically, I know that it's a completely different team, but even still. Yeah, the, the history always scares me. History scares me with the Braves. It doesn't matter what era you're talking about, either it's in the 90s to the 2000s, the 14 straight division title run, or the 2010 team, the 2012 team, 2013 team. We have bad history mm-hmm. in the playoffs, even though we've also done well in the playoffs before, but not since we were like 11 years old have we won a playoff series. So. History certainly scares me. Um, the Rockies are the one team I would want to play out of all of them in the first round. I hope they are able to catapult the Dodgers. I hope the Dodgers don't make it because I'm really afraid of them. Is there a chance the Dodgers don't make the playoffs There's at all? A, Yeah, because look at it. You have you have five spots, and you have six teams. you got the Cubs, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Rockies. One of those teams that's not us is not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And they're all separated by like a half game. Got it. Uh, or, or one game or whatever. So one of those teams isn't going to make it, and I really hope it's the Dodgers. But unfortunately, they play the Giants to round out their season. So I think they're going to take care of business. Yeah, but the Dodgers want nothing more than to ruin. Oh, you mean the Giants? The Giants want nothing sure. more than to ruin the Dodgers' sure. season. So that's always a little. Yeah, but the the Rockies don't scare me. I think even though they swept us, uh, the bullpen kind of let us down in, in those two games that we lost to them that we should have won. Um, they don't have a lot of postseason experience. I know they went last year, but their rotation isn't anything special. Didn't they make it to the World Series a few years ago? In 2007. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm not afraid of them. I have a healthy fear, respect for everyone else. Oh, sorry, Taylor. That was me knocking on wood. And she's like, Graham, you can't not be scared of somebody. I mean – I'm just saying, like, out of all the teams there, they're who I'm, I'm least afraid of. The good news also is for us, Adam, there could also be tiebreakers. People could be playing, uh, you know, game 163 on a Monday. That's not even the wild card game. That would be great. So people could be burning, you know, aces potentially before they even start the playoffs. I mean, there has to be so many things that happen for a tiebreaker game to happen because there's, like, four separate tiebreakers in place with, like, head-to-head and then, like, divisional record. right. And all this shit. Yeah, I think, t- yeah. I think there's only been like one tiebreaker game before. There's been a couple. And it was like the Rockies a couple of years. Yeah, ago. Rockies had one. I think Tampa had one a while ago too. But I mean, it's, it's it's possible that that could happen. But who 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 do you want to play out of those five? I know you said you were interested in the Cubs. I'm not really interested in the Cubs, but I could. <laughs> please tell me why. Um. Gut feeling. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just don't want the Brewers. Brewers are too hot. So yeah, I said the Cubs or the Dodgers. Yeah, I don't want to play the Cardinals just because of historical reasons, especially yeah. that fucking wild card game. And they they cleaned our clocks last time we played. Everyone forgets that uh, the the series before we swept the Phillies, the Cardinals swept us. I don't I don't want anything to do with them. They had our number. Uh, obviously, postseason changes everything. But yeah, Rockies are my pick. Cubs are interesting too because they're. You know, Chris, if Chris Bryant's out, and if they have to burn Lester in a wild card game, or if are uh, in a, a, a playoff with the Brewers or something like that, that gives us a leg up. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's going to be nuts, though. It's going to be absolutely nuts. And the and for those of you wondering when is the postseason schedule going to be set and all that, it's not going to come out until everything's decided. So we could be waiting until Sunday or Monday. No, it'll be Sunday. I mean, they play all the games at the same time. I'm just saying Sunday. if there's a if there's a, a tiebreaker. Oh, but we'll we'll know when we're if we're playing at home or not. Yes, we will. And right now, as we mentioned at the top of this little uh, segment here about the rest of baseball, we have a game and a half lead on the Dodgers because they lost last night and we won. So I really hope we can, regardless of what seed we are, I really hope we can secure home field 
for the division series. I have my selfish reasons too. I would much rather I bought tickets to game one. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather dip out on work early and get a Thursday game yes. one. Like I'm hoping for like a four o'clock. I I, I really hope there it isn't four o'clock because I also have tickets to game one. It's gonna be hard for harder for me to get off work. I'm gonna have to wake up at like six in the morning going super early. It's gonna be very unfair. Well, what if it's a one o'clock game? Then I'll just. It's a t- take a sick day or something, or yeah. t- take a personal. I still have like one personal day left, yeah. so I'll take that shit. Take a damn personal day. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, it's, I feel like it's going to be a four o'clock game. We'll see. We'll see. It's very important to speculate on the time of this. Yeah, game. Yeah, I'm sure people yeah. are like drooling over over the prospects of when the game's like, going to yeah, be played. I see. Adam said it'd be at Adam four. Said, uh, so people are going to show up at four, and it's probably going to be at seven. Like ah, Adam they're, said, they're gonna schedule that. all their plans around that. Right. Um, but it should be cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. I have tickets to all three games. Um, Good lord! Even if one of the games doesn't happen, I don't care. I'm I am all in. I I fear kind of the worst just because of our history. But I I'm I'm, flo- I'm throwing caution to the wind. I'm fully behind this team. I don't give a shit who we're playing. I think we have as good a chance as anyone in the National League to come out the other side because of this team's inherent ability to be resilient and come back from the jaws of defeat, particularly offensively. I think if we utilize our bullpen in a smart way, especially leaning on Sabatka and Vizcaino, and if the starters can go the seventh inning, sixth, seventh inning, especially Fulte, then who knows, man? You just got to get in and got to see what happens. Maybe nukes a weapon out of the bullpen. You never know. It's like an Adam Wainwright situation. Exactly. You never know. That Cardinals team that won the World Series in whatever it was, 06, they finished like 12 games over 500 and then just caught fire. Yeah. And this team has showed constantly throughout the year that they are clutch as shit when it absolutely matters, and that matters in the playoffs, is to be able to perform late in games. And if there's one thing this team does well, offensively at least, they perform well in late-game scenarios. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pumped. Screw it. I don't care who we're playing. So I was going to try to fit this into the Snitker segment. I guess, yeah. I mean, I do care who we're playing, but at the end of the day, I don't because I'm so excited. That's what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah, let's try to enjoy the... Uh, the potential joys of winning versus fear losing. Right, because if you do that, you can't enjoy anything. Plus, it's probably inevitable that we're going to lose. Sure. But, but fuck it. There's like a 2% chance we it, win. It, everyone thought it was inevitable that we would finish with 72 wins, and that wasn't the case. Everyone thought that stupid overrated Nationals would win the division. That didn't happen. They thought that was inevitable. So who knows what's inevitable? Yep. Screw it. So here's a cool little tidbit. Um, article in the USA Today about the Braves. Oh, today. the Bob Nightingale article. Did you read it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, th- I thought it was crazy that during, like, the end of the copy reign mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, Snitker was going to be last fired. Year. Last year. Last year. Yeah. So before the season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to fire Snitker. Copy was going to fire Snit. Yeah, that came out. That was That's wild. And yeah. before he could pull the trigger. He was banned by Major League Baseball for life for that whole uh, international uh, legal use of funds to get players or whatever. Yeah, it was. so the, they didn't say the source. They just said it was some high-ranking executives with the ne- direct knowledge um, that requested ana- anonymity. 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 <laughs> Close enough. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He wanted to be anonymous, Graham. Sure. Because uh, the plan hadn't been announced, but. Uh, he goes from oh they they, yeah, they wanted your boy Ron Washington to take over right, uh, but they go from that to the playoffs a year later with Snit at the helm. That's wild. And in that wild. same article, they're just saying how like like Johnny Venters was so desperate to come back to the Braves because he like loved Snit being his like minor league coach like, right same years ago. Same with same with Freddie. Yeah. So that is that did blow my mind when I read that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I feel like that should be like. That felt like breaking news to me. Yeah, that was that was wild. That felt you, huge. You think you think about it. I mean, you have no idea, and you can play, uh, you know, fantasy world as much as you want. But I am very happy he was retained. Um, so I don't think we're here without him. So, yeah. but just to just to just to even fathom that that is uh, that would have been even a possibility, and knowing that that would have happened had the scandal not broken, is just insane. That is absolutely insane. I don't believe in fate or destiny or any of that shit, but things like that kind of make you wonder. 
Mm. Wild. Absolutely wild. It's a good point, Graham. Yeah. Don't have any other closing thoughts here before we wrap up this show? Nope. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I could bullshit my way through something vague and uninteresting if you want me to. But nah, I think we're good. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. Uh, well, we thank you all for listening to this week's show. Um, if you haven't already, find us on Twitter at ATL Zone Sports. And we will see you all next week and do a big old postseason preview for the Braves and also recap what happened with the Falcons and Bengals game. I thought this was our postseason preview. Kind of was. But we'll get into that. I guess we'll know more about the, seedings. We'll do and, the NLDS preview. And we could stop predicting what the, who's going to be on the playoff roster and actually know. Exactly. Okay. That's, that seems... I get it. Yeah. That plays, Graham. So until then, folks, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.